Alrighty. Well, good evening, everyone. It's so good to be with you. We've got a few notices before we get into another song and then the sermon. But for those of you who are visiting for the first time, hello, welcome. Um, it's uh, so good to have you. Um, if you have any questions about what we do here at Wyndham Baptist or even what it means to be a Christian, if this is just quite foreign to you, then you are so welcome to come see myself or anyone. Uh, most people around you will be able to help you. But in front of you, you'll see there's a, a, a capture code, uh, a QR code, sorry. Um, if you want to get connected or you just want to give some feedback, you want to ask a question and we can, we can get in touch with you that way. Um, before we play a video uh, about our Christmas services, I'm going to do a couple of different notices. So this Friday is our second last... Week of Youth. <laughs> it's, uh, so we're actually going to have a bit of fun. Uh, fingers crossed that the, uh, the weather's going to be good enough, but we're going to do a, a water madness night. So it's getting a bit hot now, uh, coming into summer. So make sure you bring, uh, if you're a youth kid, then make sure you bring your uh, uh, spare change of clothes as well and a towel. I won't have too many uh, to spare, so make sure you bring that. And uh, welcome to bring your friends to that as well. And uh, young adults, so the day after on Saturday, just this coming, uh, from 6 till kind of 8, 9-ish, uh, we're doing uh, an event here where we're, we're going to actually uh, spend some in time intentionally to, to refocus. We're going to look at the past few years and kind of there's a lot that's happened between uh, a changing of uh, pastor to uh, COVID to all the various different things that has happened. I thought it'd be a really cool time for us as young adults to come together and actually kind of go, what are we about and how do we go about doing that? How do we connect? How do we serve? How do we love each other as a good, uh, uh, God-filled community? So if you're in year 11 right now, uh, going into year 12, you're actually welcome to come along to that. Uh, it's free. We're going to have some food as well. So if anything, come for the food. Um, hopefully for more than that though. Um, so uh, we're going to play the video now, Nathan. And this is just a video about our services coming up.
How about, just before I get started, why don't you say hi to someone next to you and give them, I, I want to insert times where we can actually be thankful and intentional uh, to God with people around us. So think of one thing in the past one or two weeks that you're thankful for and share it with the person next to you. I'll rein it in in a minute. <laughs> Good. Most of you sound like you've got something to be thankful for. Um, I'm actually going to pray uh, for everything that you guys have just said, um, for what we're thankful for, and actually just give thanks to God if you want to want to join me with that. Lord, thank you uh, that amidst, uh, sometimes it can be pretty tricky times, um, amidst some of the hard stuff that's going on in our lives and in our world, Lord God, that we can still be thankful for so much. Um, Lord, we want to give you praise for that. We want to lift you up and and just really thank you for the blessings that you give us. But number one, Lord, we want to thank you for your grace. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you died for us. Amen. Awesome. Uh, So we're going to continue in our series on identity tonight. Um, So if you want to grab your Bibles, however you've got them, on an app, or if you've got the real thing, going old school like me, well, not really tonight, but um, you want to turn to Matthew, the greatest book in that definitely, no, um, Matthew uh, chapter 6, that's where we're going to read in a bit. so, as you're doing that, I thought I'd give a little bit of a recap for those of you who might have missed a, a few of the sermons or you're here for the first time. Uh, so, we're going through the topic of identity. Identity. In a culture that seems, if, if you kind of look around you often, it's quite obsessed with identity at the moment. It's, it's a big focus of, of, of our time. Uh, what, are you, uh, what kind of makes you, you? And, and what do you identify as? And, and we've been kind of asking the question, more, more broadly speaking, how does identity work? How does identity work? Are we meant to find it in a certain place? And if so, is there better things and worse things, harmful things and good things that we can find our identity in? And these are, these are really quite fundamental good questions to be asking, I think. And largely the answer to those questions has been yes. Yes, we are designed a certain way. Uh, According to the Bible, according to God, we are designed a certain way to find the core of who we are in something quite specific. Something quite specific. And therefore, yes, there are definitely better things to find your own identity in. There's, there's, There's things that actually can be really harmful to us. And how we've answered the question of how identity works is, uh, if everyone remembers, it's our house kind of analogy. So I don't have a picture for us tonight, but most of you, I mean, even next door, there's a bunch of houses going up over there or in the neighbourhood. There's a housing boom at the moment of people trying to uh, build houses. But um, before anything is built, you'll see that there's a big concrete foundation, yeah? 
I'm not, I'm not a carpenter, I'm not a, I'm not a, a house builder by any means. Uh, I can hardly do the gardening. Um, but that is, that's one of the first things that comes up, yeah? It's foundational to, to everything else that kind of goes up. And it's a slab. And this is kind of the same type of idea for our identity. There's often some sort of foundational aspect, some core thing that we build our identity upon from there. And what we've seen so far is that from the very beginning, this was actually meant to be found in God. This, this kind of concrete foundation is meant to be found in God. And God himself is meant to be this core identity marker. And from this foundation, we've, we've gone through a few different uh, sermons. Um, we've kind of picked on a few essential things that might make up kind of the wooden framing. So you kind of, you go through from there and then there's essential things that everyone is still made uh, to do. And one of them was being, uh, being image bearers, that we were made in the image of God. It was all based in uh, Genesis 1 to 2. Um, so being image bearers, being made in the image of God with so much values, like set apart from, from other parts of creation. Working and keeping the earth is the second one that we went through uh, and what that looks like to bring order from chaos just like we see uh, uh, God doing, particularly in uh, chapter 1 of Genesis. And then thirdly, we talked about having relationship with God vertically, this vertical relationship and therefore it's kind of intrinsic to who we are to have that relationship and let it flow into relationships around us, which is why we need here. And that's what we've spoken of so far. And at the very least, there's, there's more to who we are than just that, but at the very least, these are some foundational things that we see in the Bible of how God has made us and how he wants to shape us and form us in our identity. But what we've seen is, and we can, it's pretty easy to see, what we've done as humans, as humans sorry, is that we've kind um, of tended to not follow this design very much. Yeah, we might follow it in certain aspects, but we kind of don't follow it in others, where we put kind of something else as our foundation and then kind of build some sort of random shack out of some uh, different materials that we're kind of just finding, we're just kind of doing our best and that's okay and, and kind of making this thing. And, and like you think about it, Jesus even talks about this. He, he talks about it um, in, in the book of Matthew too. Um, <coughs> he talks about building our lives on the rock, which is him, yeah? We've, most of us if, with the church background have heard that. Uh, he tells us to build, build our lives on the rock and then not to build it on the sand. Do not build it on the sand. And when we build our lives on the wrong things, it's a bit like building a house on purely just sand. It'll kind of just fall away. It's, it's not a very good foundation to build our lives on. And that's why Jesus, basically God, what we've seen so far, is he's meant to be that foundational marker. And, and you can put almost anything as your foundation. That's what I've found. We, you can, there's a wide variety of different things. But for the rest of this series, we're wanting to kind of pick on a few different things that uh, particularly in our time that we tend to find or put a big chunk of who we are in these things. But they just, they just won't do the job, yeah? And one of them is approval. That's what I'm talking on tonight, approval. Often, one of the things uh, that we get our identity caught up in is the approval of others. 
This is a very personal one for me because I, I, I've struggled with this for a long time and I feel like I've gotten better, but this is a fantastic thing to, to go through. I've often said in the past in, in many other sermons that uh, approval, if approval is like kind of the treasure of your heart, if it's part of like the core being of who you are, then you will literally kind of work, you'll do everything you can toward that purpose in order to get approval yeah a lot of your life around what you treasure you will spend your time on you'll think about you'll intentionally put your time to and your thinking toward to be approved by people so i'll give some examples of this there's so many out there and i don't want to be that like classic youth pastor that's kind of just uh dogging on social media but it's an easy one to kind of pick on social media is huge for this kind of thing for approval massive um, you've got things like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and all the rest. And I'm not saying that they're I'm just straight out the gate. I'm not saying that they're all just horrible and it's all attention and approving, approval kind of orientated, but I think a, I could I'd safely say a decent chunk of it is. It's, it's, about, it's, it's centered around this pro- approval type thing. And, and I'm part of that too. I use Facebook. I use Instagram. But often there are many posts and many things that we do are centered around, can I be approved by people? Can I be praised by people in certain ways? And you think of the old humble selfie. And I'm not going to say that all selfies are are self-centered and seeking attention. Occasionally I will take one. I try not to and I'll see why. Um, (coughs) But I would pretty confidently say that a large percentage of them are centered around some sort of like, look at me. At the very base of it, it's often, it's often a focus on myself, on yourself. It's kind of going, do you approve of me? It's self-promotion where people kind of almost get addicted to it. There's a lot of research around this that people get addicted to checking their phones for how many reactions and comments they get on a selfie or how many views um, they get on a story. Because it feels nice when people think that you're good looking or they approve of what you have put up. And that's primarily why I don't take selfies. Um, <laughs> but does, does that make sense? Like it's, it's a very approval-based type of thing. It's, it's I approve of you, I approve of your beauty and every like and comment uh, kind of adds to that narrative in our minds and it can be really addictive. And to some degree, many posts we do are the exact same thing. I'm not saying all of them, but quite a lot out there is the same thing, whether it's a selfie or not. Often people share their opinions or kind of make these huge statements all the time and they're kind of after some sort of attention. They're after some sort of approval of what you've said or what you've shared. And these are just a kind of a, a couple of little examples, but often we do the same thing with, uh, with our friends. Or, um, or to some degree family members is that we're just so seeking of their approval sometimes or they just want, and we want them to see us a really particular way or to be accepted. And you'll see that I don't think that's all bad as I go along, but I think, yeah, I'll keep talking. But there's so many different things in our culture that are so centred around approval, yeah? Hopefully I've gotten that point across. But the question... We need to ask, and I think I want to I wanna ask us tonight, is, is wanting approval a good or a bad thing? Is it actually bad entirely to want approval from other people? Or is it bad? 
And the more I thought about these different kind of different situations, the more I thought about this question, the more I saw actually how contextual it really is. Um, so I'm going to talk fairly generally, but it won't obviously apply to absolutely everything because it depends on the situation. But what I think we can do is that we can actually find some underlying principles to go by. Yeah, There's some underlying things that are definitely true and I want to kind of uh, put them out there today. So the short answer, my answer is that it depends on who you're wanting approval from, what it's for, and how essential it is to have that approval in order for you to be happy. I'll say it again. It depends on who you're waiting, uh, wanting approval from, what it's for, and how essential it is to have that approval for your joy, for your happiness, for your life. And I want to, if you want to grab your Bibles for where we opened up before, I want to see what Jesus says. He uses this example with, with the Pharisees in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. So, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Um, I won't have it up on the screen, so if you can look at it in your own device, that'd be awesome. So it says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will, be, you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for having so many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. And if you jump down to verse 16 to 18, it says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. So what we see here is Jesus talking about the Pharisees doing three different things. And their, their practice... Their, spirit, their righteous deeds before others in order to be seen. They say these three things, uh, they say it three times, Jesus says it. They're doing things to be seen by others, yeah? They, they give to the needy and let kind of everyone know that they're doing it. They're just making this big spectacle of themselves. They're wanting to be seen. They're wanting to have their own glory t- um, seen. 
They pray in front of people in order to be seen by others. Once again, they heap up empty phrases and and say many, many words. Again, in order to seem cool, in order to be seen by others, to be approved by others. They fast so everyone can see them, making themselves look kind of like, oh man, I'm fasting, this is painful, but yeah, you know, all glory to God. But they're really after their own um, their own praise, their own glory. It was kind of like the fir- I kind of look at it. It's the first century kind of like social media um, <laughs> before phones are around. Kind of doing everything so others can see you and see what you're doing and kind of have this approval and have this praise. So the answer to the question of is wanting approval a good or a bad thing? This passage shows us that generally speaking, if we're living this life, if we're living this life for the approval of others, then yes, it's not good. It's not good. The approval of others is not meant to be, as we were talking about before, the foundational aspect of who we are. It's not meant to be core of who we are. God is meant to be that. But let's. Ex- I want to kind of explore that. That's a loaded statement. I want to explore that a little bit. What we, what we see in that passage is that giving, that praying, that fasting are actually really good things. That's why Jesus is talking about it. He's kind of going, don't do it that way, do it this way. Like these are good things. Don't do it for your own glory because they're actually meant to be for his glory and for your good. For your good, not to be gaining the approval of other people. And they're given, they're, uh, sorry, they're given glory to him and for our good. And this is the same for our lives. This is the same, broadly speaking, for our lives. We're made to live this life for God's glory. And it's when we do this that we are almost like most fulfilled in our life, that we are found in this life, in the way that we were created. That's a beautiful thing. We shouldn't do things for the glory of ourselves like these Pharisees, these religious leaders of the time did, but rather be doing all things to the glory of God. That classic passage, 1 Corinthians 10.31, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, whatever you do, do to the glory of God. Do to the glory of God. It's implicit in that that you're not doing it for yourself. So part of the answer to this question of if it's good or bad has to do with the motivation behind what we're doing. The motivation is key of our heart. So the next question I want to ask is how do we get out of kind of this approval game where we're always, I don't know about you, where you're kind of always seeking approval and sometimes you don't even realise you're doing it. It's so ingrained in so much of our culture now. How do we stop ourselves from living for approval and the glory of other people? The biggest thing that will stop us from always seeking the glorification of ourselves and needing the approval of everyone around us is, lo and behold, Jesus. It's Jesus. The reality of those who know God is that through Jesus... We as people are approved by God. I'll explain this a little bit more. But we are we are or we already have the approval that we need in this life. We get this when we meet 
Jesus. We get this. We're set apart. We are made children of God when we come to see Jesus, when we know him. We have a loving father who says, I see you and I love you. And we're approved of. And that's how we find freedom. It's actually taking it away from ourselves and looking to something outside of ourselves, to Jesus. And the reality of this, those who who know God, is that through Jesus we are approved. And that's how we find freedom from the need of approval of others. It's finding kind of this ultimate approval in the person that we were created to be with. Does that make sense? Here's the thing. I think what we need to realize, and this is actually quite a cool concept, is that there is actually no amount of things that we could do to gain the approval of God. There's no amount of things we could do to gain his approval. As if kind of doing enough good things for God will gain his approval or of you or as if kind of when you become this particular person that it's then that Jesus will approve of you and then you can be in relationship with him and then you can experience his love. It's, it's not like that. There is absolutely nothing you could do. There's no amount of things that you could do to ever get that. The beautiful thing is that through Jesus He gives us that approval as a free gift. He gives us what we could never have or could never achieve ourselves. In a lifetime, in 10,000 lifetimes, we could never achieve this. And that's freeing. That's freeing. And here's another cool part about that. When we find approval in God through Jesus, what this does is gives us freedom to not be living for the approval of others, or to try and work and, 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 uh, for the approval of God. I'll say it one more time and I'll explain it. When we find approval in God through Jesus, what this does is it gives us a freedom to not be living for the approval of others and to try and work for our approval. Work is the key word there. To try and work for our approval of even God. Does this mean that we use this freedom that God gives us to kind of do whatever we want? Though? Absolutely not. It's not a license to do whatever we want. It's not a get out of hell free card. Paul talks about it this uh, like quite a number of times in the book of Romans. We rather use this newfound freedom to wholeheartedly love God and love others. We're freed to do that. We use this freedom to live for Jesus without having to put so much mental capacity, so much of our, our time and our energy towards having the approval or trying to seek the approval of others or even God himself because we've already got it. We've already got the approval we need. I'm not saying that we don't, uh, that we don't want to do things that God approves of. We do. Absolutely, all the time. We, I'm not saying that God approves of sin in our lives as well. He approves of us as people through Jesus, but there is no way he approves of us sinning. What I'm saying is that we don't need to work for his approval because we already find it in Jesus. It's a free gift. It's something that we could never, ever achieve. It's something we could never get by ourselves. And when we find our approval in Jesus, 
We are free to not need the approval of others. We're freed to love God and others without approval and all the energy that it takes to get in the way. It's free. And I kind of want to—I want to give a few examples of this because we see this in the Bible quite a lot. Particularly, in, uh, anyone know the uh, Paul? He's in the New Testament. Um, He—he's a—he's such a good example in my mind of this uh, kind of thinking. Is in Philippians chapter one, he says, "To live is Christ; to die is gain. To live is Christ; to die is gain." Kind of sounds like a bit of a funny kind of uh, uh, verse, but it's, it's what actually allows him to not be worried about whether he dies um, because of following Christ or continue to be alive so he can proclaim Jesus whilst being persecuted. Because either way, he's fine. Either way, he's fine because he's approved in Jesus and his goal is not the approval of himself, is not the approval of others, but his goal is actually God. So he can actually confidently say, to live is Christ, to die is game, because I can be with God. And this is what allows Paul, a bit, uh, a bit later in, in the book, in chapter 4, um, that he, he says uh, that he has learned in whatever situation I am to be content. In whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is a man who was hit with stones to the point that people thought he was dead and just left him there because he was proclaiming Jesus. A man who was in prison for Jesus. A man who gave up following, uh, uh, sorry, every, he gave up everything to follow Jesus. And he experienced the different extremes in life. He experienced wealth. He experienced poverty. He experienced being low. And There's a time in Acts 14 um, where him and a guy named Barnabas are preaching to a group of people and actually God he heals this, this crippled man. It's really, really cool. And this crowd basically starts worshipping them. They're kind of like, you're amazing. You must be God. I'm going to go get something and I'm going to sacrifice to you. Like legit, it's in, it's in there. And, and then at, at he, he, by that kind of stretch, he, he's definitely approved, right? He got their approval, those people. Like they're about to like worship him and lay down at his feet. But he tells them not to do so. For he realizes that he's just a man and that all glory and all praise needs to go to God, not him. He doesn't need that approval. He didn't need it. He just wanted to praise God and point people to him. But in the very next passage, if you read it when you get home, um, Paul and Barnabas, uh, the same two, are actually persecuted heavily for preaching the same message. They are very much not approved of. Not at all. <laughs> like, they want them out. Like, get out of here. I'm about to, about to hurt you seriously. But they keep preaching it. It was okay because their identity, their approval wasn't caught up in what they thought, but it was actually in Jesus. It was in God. So how could they experience, how can he experience so many different extremes of life 
and yet say that he's all good, that he doesn't mind if he lives or dies? How how do you get to that point? How can he experience wealth and poverty, approval and extreme disapproval and be fine? How do you get there? How do we get there? Because he found all all the approval he needed in God. For Paul to live as Christ, not to live is to find the approval of others. To live is Christ. And it's the same for us. It's the same for us. Paul found his treasure and all the approval he needed in God. I'm not putting him up as if he's a perfect person. I know he was not a perfect person, but he is a good example of this to us. He didn't use his approval by God for his own selfish gain. He didn't at every turn just use it to serve himself, but he served God. And I think that's the difference. That's the difference. Approval isn't bad when it's found in God, generally speaking, but it can actually be really tricky when we're only finding it in other things. So, I want to get on to that though. Bear with me. Hopefully, hopefully this is making sex, but a censor. Um, what happens <laughs> when we try to find it in other things? What happens when we try to find it in other things? I think this is a good question. If we, if I'm posing that God is like the answer, um, then what is the what is kind of the other other choice here? What happens is that the approval of others will never be enough. And I think you live long enough. I'm not saying I'm old. Gosh, I can't say that. <laughs> if you live long enough in my day. No. If it, in time, what I'm trying to say is that you will experience that once you actually gain the approval of someone, it's not enough. There's always someone else. There's always something else. If you end up gaining the approval of one person, then there will always be another person who won't approve of you. I've had to learn this in ministry um, uh, and I, I, some, a very wise person told a different pastor that told me about this statistic is that statistically 10% of people in every congregation, generally speaking, will not like you. <laughs> no matter what you do, no, how well, no matter how well you do things, no matter how, yeah, they just, they won't approve of you. They won't like you. There's nothing you can do to change their mind. And that was freeing for me. Um, not that you don't try to, to love your people, obviously, but it's free. Not everyone will approve of you. That's my point. Though. I think you can apply this to most of life. You're not going to find the approval of everyone. You'll never be fully approved. It's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. And if you live for approval and you want that approval from everyone, it'll send you on this roller coaster of a journey. It'll be crippling to you because you'll never fully get it. Nothing will fully ever be enough. It won't matter how much approval you get. You might get 99%, but if you're living for approval, that 1% will eat at you. It will eat at you. And look, I get it. It feels good when you get approval. I don't even think that's necessarily a bad thing. You'll see me say soon that I actually don't think someone approving you of you is actually necessarily bad. But what I'm trying to get at is that it's very volatile. It's, it's very, it'll crumble in your hands. It won't, it is, it, it, um, it will feel good for a little bit, but then it's kind of, there's not any certainty to it. It only takes one moment for someone to change their opinion of you. I've seen it happen. 
It takes one moment for someone to flip and turn around and, and not have approval of you anymore. Whereas if our approval in life, at its very core I'm talking about, is found in God, that is certain. That can't be moved. It can't be taken away. It can't be. It's an external factor that nobody can touch. And that frees us up. Just like Paul, those examples to not be as worried about whether people approve of us or not. Do I think that is necessarily easy? Absolutely not. Um, (laughs) It is really, really hard. It is really hard. I struggle with this myself. I said this before. It particularly sucks when someone we love doesn't approve of us or when we just don't feel like we're enough no matter what we do to someone. It is hard to work or study in an environment where, and where some people don't approve of you or where they think you're just a weirdo for being a Christian or having these different beliefs and no matter what you do, it just seems to be that they just do not approve of you, that you just don't fit in. It really does suck and it can really, really hurt. It can really, really hurt. And I'll speak on this in a sec, but this is all the more reason in my mind why At very base level, I'm talking very base level here, we need to seek bit by bit to be finding uh, and seeking the approval of God rather than the people around us. Rather than the uh, approval of people around us. It is essential if we want to be free from the approval of others and and if we want to be free from being dictated by that, then we need to find it in God. We need to find it in Him. And it's as we more and more over time take steps away from needing the approval of others and then toward the approval that we can already have in Jesus that we will eventually begin to change. It'll show uh, absolutely, and I say this is generally speaking, this is bit by bit, bit by bit. Uh, it's a journey. And... Um, but what it'll do, if you see someone that is just not, has anyone ever met someone that's just kind of like, no matter what nobody, like everyone does around them, they just don't care. Do you know what I mean? Some people are obnoxious about it, but um, some people, they're just like, it's like this freedom that they have. They're just like, it doesn't really matter. Cool, I'll move on. Sweet. And I, just, I look at them and I'm like, man, I want that. I want that. I think we all want that freedom. We want that security more than anything. And I think that's what we get. It is what we get as we tend to find it less from external factors and people and then find it more at base level in God. So my last question for us is, are there times where wanting to be approved by others isn't necessarily bad? Are there times where it's not bad? And put it this way, I'll go back to one of my first points. There's nothing wrong with having the approval of others. But it becomes a problem when you live for it. There's nothing wrong with having the approval of others, but it becomes a problem when you live for it. When it's so essential to who you are that you can't live without it. That's where it gets tricky. 
Having someone's approval isn't necessarily bad if it isn't everything to you. I also think that there's a difference, and I've loved more time to go into this, um, but I also think there's a difference between approval of what you do and then approval of you as a person. Approval of what you do and then approval of you as a person. I'll try and explain this. I think, for instance, that because we're all made in the image of God, all made in the image of God, at very base level, we need to approve everyone as an image bearer. Does that make sense? That they're intrinsically valued. That they're, they're, they're made differently. As a person of worth according to God, we should all have that approval for each other, no matter what you do. But approval of everything you do is very different in my mind. And I don't think we need to approve of everything that everyone does. Absolutely not. Or even have others approve of everything that we do. I don't think that's realistic. It's an impossible venture as well and you'll never actually be able to achieve it. Does that make sense? People may not always approve of what you're doing and the decisions you make and you won't approve of everybody else's either. And this is key when it comes to discussing hot topics, by the way. When there's huge things, there's a lot of debates out there, is that we actually, what we tend to do is that we kind of intertwine um, the person, like their worth, with their view. Does that make sense? And we kind of put the interlock them. So if I don't agree with you, um, then therefore you're a horrible person and I don't approve of you. But I think we can actually, we can separate it a bit. You don't, like, if that was the case... We would no, none of us would like each other at all. Like, there's going to be something that each of us disagree about each other as as you go deep enough. Um, so, what we do, what I see that is the difference is that we don't need to approve of everything that everyone does, but we need to see them as a person made in the image of God, that we approve of them of that, that they are infinitely valued and loved by God. And we see Jesus do this. We do. You see him, he, goes, he talks with people that he definitely doesn't agree with what they're doing. Does that make sense? He talks with people all the time, but he doesn't kind of intertwine them with what they're doing and their value as a human being. That's why he goes to the cross for them. He dies for them, even though he doesn't agree with them necessarily. He wants them to know Jesus. So I think it's, it's a complicated question. It's a complicated topic, but at the very end of the day, I think it really depends on where our approval lies. I'm going to invite the team up as we finish uh, with a couple of songs. But I want to call each other, I just kind of want to call each and every one of us to think through where we sit on this topic of approval. Where do we sit on this? How much does the approval of others mean to us? How much of a struggle is that? How much of what we do is actually toward the end of finding this approval in others? By how we live our lives, do we give the idea that to live is Christ, to die is game, or is it more like to live is the approval of others? Do we show a freedom found in God because our approval, who we are, isn't caught up so much with other people around us? And then these last two uh, songs, I really encourage you to spend some time with God. And I just want to 
say straight off the bat, if you're like, if you answered like, yes, I do struggle with this, you're not alone, okay? It's okay. God's here. And this is why we want to do, we want to we take time to pray with him, to go, God, like, why does this mean so much to me? Lord, I want to lay this at your feet. I want to I wanna rest easy in what you think about me. And I encourage you to do that tonight. If you have any questions about what I said or you want me to clarify anything, let me know. When you want prayer, I'll, I'll be at the, at the front here. But I'll give it to the team.